Matt Black grew up in Oklahoma in a low-income family with parents who hadn't gone to college. We grew up believing that education was inherently good. You know, getting an advanced degree was a respectable achievement. I didn't know anybody in my entire extended family or friend group or family friends or anyone who had gone to an Ivy League school. It was a like a sort of being an astronaut or something. But when he got accepted to Columbia University's master's program for film, he jumped at it. It was just the, kind of the cliche of like wanting to do better than your parents did, wanting to make them proud, wanting to make something of yourself. And Matt says his dad was really excited for him. And yeah, I remember asking my dad, and he's like, you should do it. It's, this is your dream. This, this is your dream school. You'll figure out the financial part of it out over the years. You know, go for it. Uh-huh. So. So h- how much debt do you have now? I have around $330,000. $330,000. That's what Matt owes for his master's degree. He graduated in 2015. Today, he lives in Los Angeles, and he works in film, the industry he's always dreamed about. I've been lucky enough for the last four or five years to subsist solely on writing and producing and that sort of thing, but just barely. It's like a very month-to-month, year-to-year kind of scraping by. What's happening with your debt right now? Have you been able to pay any of it off? Uh, No. The principal is all still there, plus $100,000 in interest, so it's been just ballooning. The idea of, of trying to pay the loans off feels like a... It feels as much like being an astronaut as going to Columbia felt like in the first place. You know what I mean? It, it feels that, that impossible. For Matt and other graduate students like him, the thinking has always been that if you get an advanced degree, you can get a higher-paying job. But newly released data from the Department of Education shows that for a lot of graduates, that's not actually happening. And yet, many universities are still charging grad students more and more each year, leaving students with a massive bill. Schools make decisions on where they put their money, what they invest in, who they give financial aid to, where they assign scholarships. And those choices have consequences. And here, it seems that at a lot of schools, a lot of very prestigious, wealthy schools, those consequences can be financial ruin for a lot of their graduate students. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, July 15th. Coming up on the show, the rise of expensive master's degrees that don't pay off. There's a lot of talk about student debt, but one area that doesn't get a lot of attention is graduate student debt. For grad students, the debt can easily creep well into the six figures, and they're not even able to pay down a dollar of their loans, and the loans just continue to grow. Melissa Korn covers higher education at the Wall Street Journal. And recently, she and her colleague Andrea Fuller started looking into a whole bunch of new data from the federal government. The data allowed Melissa and Andrea to calculate one specific number called the debt-to-earnings ratio, which compares how much debt a student has with how much money they're making two years after they graduate. If you're not paying down your loans two years out, some experts say you're probably not going to be making progress paying them down ever. 
Then, they were able to sort the data by schools and even individual programs. And for some students, their degree did lead to higher earnings. If you're an anesthesiologist, it's very expensive to go to med school, but you will make progress on your loans. You will eventually be able to pay them off because you're going into a very lucrative career. But there's all these other master's degree programs out there in architecture and urban planning and film and creative writing and journalism. And the payoff just isn't there. And these are incredibly expensive programs. For some of those other programs, it seemed like the debt to earnings ratio was really off. I spoke with a number of students and they have $200,000, dollars $400,000 in debt and they're earning, you know, forty grand a year. And this situation has been getting noticeably worse. Yeah, it's not always been this bad, in part because there used to be more limits on how much people could borrow. It used to be that when graduate students took out loans from the federal government, they could only take out so much. There was a cap on that debt, which, by the way, is still how undergraduate debt works. But the rules changed in 2005 when Congress created the Grad Plus loan system. It was originally intended to make grad school more accessible. It wasn't just, you know, you can borrow ten or twenty or $50,000 a year. It was, you can borrow whatever the school determines is tuition plus fees plus living expenses. The general assumption was there shouldn't be limits on these loans because the graduate degree will ultimately be a good thing for the student. They will lead to successful careers, good jobs, and these people will be able to pay off their loans. Out of this Grad Plus loan program came an unintended consequence. Not only were master's students getting deeper in debt, but universities had no restrictions on how much they could charge, turning these degrees into potential cash cows. So over the past few decades, grad schools have increased the types of degrees they offer, the number of spots in these programs, they've expanded significantly. And tuition has increased significantly as well. And as tuition has gone up, students have been borrowing more and more money from the federal government, sometimes six figures a year. With this new data, Melissa and Andrea started digging into which schools had the worst debt-to-earnings ratios. We looked at what degree programs graduated students with just eye-popping numbers. So who was taking on a ton of loans, but not earning enough to really pay them back? And when they ranked schools by this ratio, they noticed that the problems seemed to be worse at more elite schools. And there was one master's program at one university that really stood out. We found that Columbia's master's programs in film had literally the worst debt-to-earnings ratio of any major university in the country. So it's the worst master's in terms of that calculation, that measure. For Columbia's Master in Fine Arts and Film, the median debt is around $180,000, and the median annual earnings is less than $30,000. Columbia University is one of only eight Ivy League schools in the country, and when people think of Columbia, their first thought usually isn't debt. It's usually that it's a place of elite scholarship. It has a beautiful campus in Upper Manhattan, and it has renowned medical school and law school and business school, journalism school, all of that. And with the Columbia name on their diplomas, some students hope that this price tag will ultimately lead to professional success. And Columbia markets this message, like in promotional videos for its film MFA. If you are interested in making television and you come to Columbia, you're going to get a lot of help. 
and you'll come out with pilot scripts with an actual portfolio that's ready to get you work in television. And there are jobs in TV. You know, they don't use words like guarantee. They know better than that. They recognize that there's no such thing as a guarantee. But we will expose you to experts and we will make those connections for you and we will give you exposure to the decision makers in the field and we will give you all of the tools you need and that's a pretty good pitch. The problem is that the data shows that for some Columbia graduates, they don't actually make more money than those who went to less expensive schools. I spoke with at least a half dozen students who have upwards of $300,000 in loans. Wow. And these are for careers where they're not likely to earn all that much more throughout their careers. There's not a huge amount of earning potential even over the lifetime. Correct. They'll be lucky if they make 70 or 80 in a year. And I spoke to a number of students who aren't earning any more now than they were before they went for their master's. For Matt Black, who graduated from Columbia six years ago, his income doesn't come close to allowing him to pay off his debt. I'll make between like 60 or 90 on like a really good year. But on more often, it's more like 20, 30, like, you know, kind of the base of what you can get by on. In 2019, I had a really shit year, and I think I made like $19,000 or something. This kind of debt can be paralyzing, especially when you take into account the interest. Those federal Grad Plus loans have, at times, had interest rates as high as 7.9%. When you have somebody upwards of a quarter million dollars in debt, and you see how quickly that balance grows because of interest, it's really quite startling. And when I asked people, can you double check those numbers? You know, send me a screenshot of the website for your loans. And they would get back to me and say, oh my God, I didn't realize how much it had grown. And they started panicking. When your colleague Melissa had me look it up, I was like, oh, like I like genuinely felt sick to my stomach because I was doing it. Uh, yeah, it makes you want to jump out the window. It is a kind of existential terror, the likes of which I can only compare to like a falling elevator or something. Why is it so scary? Um, seems insurmountable in terms of paying it off, but then it also, I think, curtails the options that you have as just a human being. Like, I think that the idea of like even seeking a partner, you know, like a romantic partner, <laughs> like, what are we going to do? How are we never going to have a kid? How are we going to be able to afford a house? Like, you can't get a mortgage, which I can't. I feel like even something as fundamental to life as that, as, as having a partner, as having a family of I feel like my entire field of options is narrowed by virtue of, of having this like millstone around my neck, which again, I put around my neck willingly, you know. Has that come up actually in a date? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, a couple times. I don't think it can be overstated how much of an impact this has on the psyche of a lot of these graduates. And not that they're ignoring it or trying to walk away from it, but it's just... It doesn't seem real. It's like monopoly money. I had some say, listen, I want to start a family and I don't think I can. I don't think it's fair for me to have kids with $300,000, $400,000 in debt hanging over their heads. That stability for many of them seems really unimaginable anymore. Coming up, what Columbia's president says about graduate student debt.
What is dedication? People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike and you didn't? I just created an environment where they taught themselves and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. In May, Melissa interviewed Columbia University's president, Lee Bollinger. Melissa was at home in her office on Zoom, so you'll hear her taking notes in the background. On the call, Bollinger said that graduate student debt is a concern at Columbia. I think just the overwhelmingly important message I would want to convey uh, is that we always feel terrible when students incur extraordinary debt in order to pursue their education and their life dreams. And we want to do everything we can to uh, help the students. One solution that some students and faculty have pushed for is more financial aid for graduate students. But currently at Columbia, a hefty share of aid money goes to undergrads. And Bollinger says there's a reason for that. I think there is a, a kind of moral claim Uh, within an institution that the youngest people have to the strongest uh, support for financial aid. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are the people among us who are most trying to begin their lives and to build a base uh, of education that will support them in choices they make. Bollinger says he does want to help graduate students at Columbia, but the money just isn't there. It is the one element of the school that uh, has not improved to the extent that uh, we wanted it to and thought it would. But again, I'm confident it will. That being said, Columbia, like a lot of other private schools, has a large endowment, which is a group of investment funds that could be used to finance anything at Columbia including, theoretically, graduate school. You know, our endowment's now, I don't know exactly what it is, but around $12 billion, But Harvard is probably over 40 at this point. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're all Princeton, Yale, Stanford, all in that uh, really upper echelon mm-hmm. uh, of um, wealth. And Columbia is much, much uh, lower. So... Well, wait a second. Columbia is has the eighth largest endowment in the country right now. So yes, it's lower than Harvard and Princeton and Stanford, but it's not exactly in, you know, the bottom of the heap there at number eight. No, and I, I absolutely, and I don't mean to say that. I just mean that uh, for us uh, to uh, compete uh, for students and faculty and academic excellence at the level of which uh, Columbia aspires to and does, uh, it's working with far fewer resources. But there's one thing that might make it harder for Columbia to lower grad school tuition. The school says it relies on it as a revenue source to fund other needs. The university also says master's degree programs can and should be a revenue source for the university. The effect of all this is that many graduate students are left with mountains of debt and careers that just don't pay enough. And this isn't just happening at Columbia. It's happening to students across the country. But even if the students aren't able to pay back the loans, for some, there might actually be another way out. After about 25 years, if they've jumped through a bunch of hoops they need to, the debt could be forgiven 
it's taxed as income, whatever is forgiven. But it's forgiven, and then the general taxpayer is really on the hook for it. In other words, universities get tuition money, students get their degrees, and in the long run, taxpayers foot the bill. So there's a lot of talk about eradicating student debt, but I guess that must only really apply to undergraduate debt. So why don't you think graduate school debt gets the same kind of attention? I think there's a lot of assumptions that there is a payoff for a lot of these programs or that it's the student's own fault for taking out the debt if they're pursuing programs in the arts or less lucrative public service fields, right? They made that choice. Let them suffer. An Ivy League institution is supposed to launch you into great career success or great financial success. And this federal data that we have, that we analyzed, really shows that some of these very prestigious institutions are really not doing that. In fact, they're leading graduate students to massive debt loads and very low earnings. And there just isn't that value there that one would anticipate from a school that's very, very wealthy. For Matt, living with this debt has changed how he thinks about his time at Columbia. I used to um, be really proud about Columbia. Like when I would get off the train and walk onto the campus, you know, I'd feel this kind of like rush of like, holy shit, I'm here. This is amazing. You know, when people would ask me what I was doing while I was getting the degree, I would be like, oh, I'm getting my master's at Columbia. And I was like, this felt, it felt good to say it out loud. And now, honestly, I hardly ever mention it because a lot of people in the industry know what it means if you went to one of these big film MFA programs, you know, because they make, they make assumptions about you. Like either you're a rich kid or you're in a mountain of debt or you're like, have no common sense. I think if I were where I am now in my career without the debt, I would feel like a success. But then the debt makes me feel like a failure. That's all for today, Thursday, July 15th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Andrea Fuller for her reporting in this story. And a quick disclaimer, Andrea is an adjunct lecturer at Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.